Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this new edition of Winchester Radio. Uh, Susan is out of town. She might call in and give us a little high after a while, but... Right now, um, she's not with us, so we miss you, Susan. Tonight, it's just me, Becky, and Vinny. Hi. And, <laughs> and we're going to be talking about um, this week's episode, Southern Comfort. Um, now, as usual, you can follow, find our podcast through Blog Talk Radio or website, winchesterbros.com. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook. So, you know, we're everywhere. So just give us a holler. And tonight, since we don't have any special guests, we will be taking call-ins. So if you'd like to call in and talk to us about tonight's episode, the number is 347-205-9801. So, Vinny, what did you think about the episode? Oh, wait, real quick, I want to tell people, if you're unable to call in but there's something you want to, you want us to discuss, go ahead and tweet it to us. Very good um, point. I really liked the episode, even though the only person I ended up having sympathy for was Garth. Yes. Uh, yep. I have very little sympathy for either Winchester right now, because I think they're both seriously in the wrong. But um, I thought the episode was phenomenal. I thought it was really, really good. I have to say that out of all of Adam Glass's episodes, this has probably been my favorite one. I agree. I think I agree with that. And, yeah, I agree with you on the whole Sam and Dean thing. It's like they're both equally in the wrong. They're both right and they're both wrong on their arguments. Like, you know, I can see both sides. And when Dean broke Garth's heart, oh, I was so upset. <laughs> I spent the entire episode going, you're a douche, Dean. You're a dick, Dean. Douche move. Douche move. Everything yeah, he would you- say, I was so angry with him for being so selfish. I mean, nobody should make Garth have that poor, pitiful face he had on him. And it's like, that's just wrong. And I think it really did, you know, they did it in a way that was... I like that they showcased the fact that the entire hunting community lost Bobby. Not just Sam and Dean. Because that's important. That was a that that left a big hole, and it kind mm-hmm. of mirrors the way you know the fans that miss Bobby. It kind of mirrors the way they feel as well, where we understand Sam and Dean's pain for losing their father figure, but as fans, we also lost Bobby. So I like that parallel. Um, and just a comment to Jenny SPN Rocks, who says that she's not going to listen to the show anymore because I, I don't think she agrees with us because of Sam not looking for Dean. Um, yeah, I totally understand that you're, uh, everybody is upset about 
say I'm not looking for Dean, but you also got to see Sam's side of the story too. He's upset with Dean because Dean is BFFs with a vampire and never said a word to him. Yet, you know, last year he killed Amy, who was one of his good friend, who was one of Sam's friends. So you got to see how Sam is just as upset at Dean as Dean is upset at Sam for not looking for him. So you know, it kind of it equals out there. However, I will say yes and no because Sam wants to play the Amy card, and I get really. I don't since we didn't get an emotional connection to Amy, but Dean did let Ruby live for two years. For two years, he let Ruby live. They gave Ruby a degree of the benefit of the doubt. Sam gave her a huge benefit of the doubt, and look what happened. So at that point in time, for Dean to do that, to for Dean to take out Amy, made sense. And I understand Sam's trepidation about Benny. However, I don't think it's apples to apples. I think the comparison is a lot more similar to Sam and Ruby and Dean and Benny, whereas, and I do think that Dean is willing to have a bit of wariness about Benny. However, he's just not making it his problem. He's not saying, you know, Benny's off limits. He's just saying, I'm not go, I'm not hunting him. And I think that's a mature way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and somebody um, else Jenny, just commented, um, Jenny SPN Rocks just commented and said, um, she said, you know, hello, Lenore, anyone? And right, I agree right. as well. You know, they did let Lenore walk, and Lenore is very much in the same category as Benny, a vampire that's not feeding on humans, and they let Lenore walk. And just an interesting little tidbit, you know, Ty Olson played the vampire Eli, who is the Lenore. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's Ty Olson everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Look under every rock, you will find Ty Olson. Playing, playing a, a, a vague, um, morally vague vampire. <laughs> is there any other kind? <laughs> Seriously, you know, we didn't have a podcast last week. And I know you and I talked about it when we were watching it, how much um, Benny's storyline reflects that. It's kind of very angel-like. It's for those who watch Buffy and Angel. Benny's storyline is very much like angels. Very, very similar. A lot of parallels. Um, There was something else. I do, and I think in our, so it wasn't our very first podcast for the season, it was the second one. I defended Sam in not looking for Dean, and I still defend his right to have not done that because everyone grieves in a different way. But what I can't defend is that Sam doesn't, and I say this as a, as a very much a Sam girl, that he's not validating Sam, uh, Dean's feelings of resentment about it. Oh, I completely agree with you. Yeah that there's very little in the way of an apology. I completely agree. Sam knows how much Dean depended on him and how Dean, you know, relied on him and cared for him. And Sam was always Dean's number one. And then for Dean to find out that Sam didn't even look for him, yeah. Dean has a right to be angry, I completely, and he Sam should Sam should understand that. And he, he's, he's acting like he doesn't understand it at all. Mm-hmm. 
And in that moment where Sam, where Dean's possessed and he's telling Sam that Benny was more of a brother to him, you know, you are taken aback as someone who's a you know, fan of the show and has watched the show for so long. You're taken aback and you're kind of like, are you serious, Dean? Even though he's possessed, you know these are internal thoughts amplified. But in the I, moment when he yeah. says them and he truly believes them, and if you look at it really logically without the emotion that we feel having watched it, it, it it does it stacks against Sam. It really, really does. And I also wonder if Dean actually meant it. You know, I know at you know, at that time in in saying it in anger and, you know, the whole specter and all that stuff, I you know, I'm sure he meant it at the moment, but I wonder if with all that taken away, with all all the anger, without the specter and everything, if he would have said that. I don't think he would have ever said it um, for a lot of reasons. One, you know, as people, we don't ever tell other people exactly how we feel about something. Right. But also, also, I don't think his animosity and his anger is to the degree. But I don't – I honestly think that the specter took what he really felt and just amplified it. I really, really and, believe that. And I think also through the years we've seen, Dean's idea of a brother is basically a drinking buddy. You know, he wants somebody, you know, to hang out with him and go out and drinking with him and, you know, just be be basically another version of him. And Sam's not like him. Sam's no. a different person. And I think, you know... That is what bugs Dean a lot too. I think. I don't. Even, and I don't. I don't know if it's so much that as as much as Dean also is very has very very structured <laughs> views of loyalty, and what Sam provides him, he doesn't feel as loyalty because Sam is willing to walk away from him so easily, and has. I use the term loosely threatened to do so from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And Dean really wants that kind of just unconditional dependency in return. And even though we know that we know that the Winchesters are just unhealthily dedicated to each other, Dean's not secure in that. Right. Especially, especially you know, the Spectre brought out also what he feels about Cass betraying him. Right. Right. And you know, I'm looking forward to getting that backstory next week. Oh yeah. Um, did you see Jim Michael's tweet? I don't know if he's listening to us or you know just tweeting, but um, he said he used to drink Southern Comfort until a whole bottle went in him during a Rolling Stones concert, and now no more comfort for Jim. <laughs> oh, poor Jim's stomach. <laughs> Is that why oh, you switched shit. tequila? Ooh, good question. If you're listening, you have to wait no. That's why I can't drink tequila. Just the smell of tequila just ooh. and I'm a whiskey girl now. <laughs> well, you know me, I I I'm a honey badger girl now, so <laughs> Oh, see, and that's whiskey. I've got you. You're one of us. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um We should tell people about that. If anybody is in 
the Vancouver area or the next time any of you go to the Vancouver area and you hit up Earl's, they have a drink named after the Honey Badger, don't care, uh, called the Honey Badger. And they make it with uh, Jack, um, honey syrup, apple juice, and a little bit of lemon. Highly recommend. It's delicious. Have a couple. Oh, and I am not a drinker, and I had two of them, and they were so good. She did. I was very proud. Um <laughs> Uh, Jenny Espion Rocks is also saying that she, um, now that Dean is clinging to Benny and Sam can't understand it, um, but she also doesn't get the chemistry with Sam and Amelia, and I do kind of want to discuss that because I'm interested to see where they take the character of Amelia because right now I don't have, I'm not, I'm not feeling a connection with her, but I think I don't know if I'm supposed to yet. I think this episode went a long way in finally explaining a little bit of Amelia with her backstory about, you know, her husband Don and everything. I think we're finding out the reason. I think it's showing the reason Sam and Amelia got together, and it was kind of hinted during the summer when we were getting, like, a little bit of spoilers, like, from Mm Comic-Con and everything about how Amelia and Sam were both broken, and that's how they got together. And I think that's what it's showing, that, you know, she had lost her husband, Sam had lost Dean, and we know of all of the other people Sam's lost in his life. And that kind of built a bond between them, I think. And so, you know, I think that's what's pulling them together is their, you know, they've got this bond of being just lost and broken and alone. They're both alone. My concern with the relationship, and again, it's possible that I'm just reading too much into it, is when um, during last week's episode when I noticed the amount of beer cans and beer bottles and her buying limes and there being, you know, she's got shot glasses laying around. Clearly, Amelia's a drinker and not much of a cleaner. And then this episode we also get... The scene with her and Sam in bed, the first shot is the two empty the two empty glasses with just ice and the empty bottle of, I'm assuming, whiskey. And then when Sam goes to see her again, she's drinking again. She pours him a drink. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I don't know if my issue with Amelia is that I'm too busy thinking ahead of waiting for him to address this and hoping that it gets addressed. I'm thinking also, they must be. Yeah, I think they be. must be going tough. Yeah, they wouldn't be putting that much into the scene if they weren't going with it. Um, but also, I see a lot of parallels, and I don't know if this was, is on purpose either, I see a lot of parallels between Amelia and Dean. And that concerns me for Sam. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Because here's an individual with trust issues, a drinking problem, and in a problem with taking concern, assuming it's pity, a lot of just similarities between the two characters on a very uh, surface level. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, is that why Sam is attracted to you? She has that kind of really cutting wit. She 
is very sarcastic. She's she's a girl dean, which, you know, kind of weird. You're dating uh, the chick version of your brother, but I try not to judge. <laughs> but I, I see a lot of similarities, and, again, something I hope, if if it's on purpose, I hope gets addressed um, thoroughly. I'm thinking it has to be because, really, why would they put so much into the set dressing, all of the, you know, alcoholic paraphernalia, basically? Why would they be putting that everywhere if they weren't going somewhere with it? Exactly. Because, yeah, once you pointed that out to me last week, I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And now it's all I see. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was watching, and I was like, okay, how many alcohol things can I spot in this shot, you know? I was talking to, um, I was messaging with uh, Erin from Weinstein Life, and Uh she, I was telling her the same, she's like, oh, I have to go back and look now. (laughs) Like, let me know what you think. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm I'm fascinated by it, and I'm not sure why I'm thoroughly fascinated by her by her drinking problem. <laughs> and I guess part of me is because if Sam has noticed that he hasn't said anything, and I feel like Sam would be really really quick to call somebody that he cares about on them drinking too much. Maybe at this point in their relationship, because, you know, we're just touching on it in these flashbacks. Maybe at this point in time, he hadn't, didn't, you know, he didn't he didn't know her very well and didn't really realize how much she actually was drinking. And we don't really know if she's doing this all the time, you know, and everything. So. Well, and the implication we, for me is that she is drinking all the time because the amount of trash of alcohol-based trash in her motel room. Also, they show her drinking at several different times of the day. She's drinking during the day. She's drinking in the morning. She's drinking at night. She's drinking in the middle of the night. And, and she thinking seems about to be drinking at one of those maintain levels, not one of those let's get slosh levels, just like Dean. And I think it was in last week's episode where, yeah, it was last week's when... Um, Riot runs into the room, and um, he mentions to her, you know, when people move into a town, they usually, you know, move into the town, that the, you know, motels aren't really part of the town. They're not really part of anything. Um, Two things there. One, I thought that was, like, really saying a lot about Sam, because we know that's all they ever live in is Mm -hmm. the motels. So he's saying he doesn't really feel part of anything. And two, as we know from the season premiere, of this year, when we see Sam getting out of bed with her, it was at a house. So yeah, we know and it. he does tell Dean at the end of this that they had a place together. So eventually, right? They both, so it, they both, you know, moved into and got a house. You know, I'm sure they, you know, probably just rented it or something. But they did actually try to become part of the town and get a house. Mm-hmm. That and that kind of leads me to the other thing that again. I'm just I'm impatient with the Amelia storyline. I'm very I'm getting very impatient. Where is she? If he wasn't hunting, although when we did have uh, Jim on, he did say that um, the implication was that Sam periodically went to the cabin or went to Rufus's cabin to to check things out. But 
has Sam contacted her? Does she know where her boyfriend went? That's because I have some questions about that, yeah. Especially knowing now that we know her past and we know that Sam knew her past, you know, to you mirror know, what I said about dick. Dean, dick move. Right, because she already has these feelings of abandonment from her husband. Mm-hmm. You know, one day someone's there and one day someone's not. And then for Sam to not only do that, but he's taking himself into a war zone, pretty much. Just right. like Amelia's husband did. And, yep. You know, he's checking on her through her, by hacking her bank accounts, classy. But we don't know, because he's doing that, it kind of implies that he hasn't actually contacted her in any way. So, yeah, I'm I'm really, I'm looking forward to when we finally get the whole story on that. And I also and wonder... I also, okay, go ahead, because I've got on a different tangent, so go ahead. <laughs> I also wonder <laughs> that him saying that he wants to, you know, he wants to get out of, get out of the life and go have a normal, a normal life, does he think that he's going to go back to Amelia because... Me personally, if you abandon me for like months and months and months, I'm probably not going to take you back. Right. I mean, for all we, you know, we haven't seen him like being in contact with her. We've just seen him as, you know, being not creepy but concerned, as he says on the internet. So, so yeah, know, is we, he assuming that whatever time frame it takes for them to wrap this up with Kevin and close the gates of hell forever? Is he assuming he's just going to go back and tell her, I did a good thing, can I come home now? Right. And then I I, I was going to go off on the other tangent with, uh, you know, everybody's upset about Sam not looking for Dean. Well, at you know, when Sam finally told Amelia about Dean, you could tell he was just devastated and I think we're going to find out that he did more looking than what he's saying. I think, you know, if for, I'm thinking maybe for like the first month that he was gone, I think Sam probably did try to, I mean, he's not going to say, oh, well, Sam's Dean's gone, everybody's gone, I'm just going to go have a picnic. You know, I don't think he did that. I don't think he did that, but I don't think he actively looked for Dean, and I think part of it, and that's just, you know, in my head canon. I don't think he did, but I think part of why he might not have is he had nobody, so he also had no real resources, and he had no starting point. Like, so I think, whole... I think he really did just kind of get in the car and drive. And I don't think he had at that point made an, an active decision to give up the life but I don't think he was actively looking for Dean, and I think it was a combination of shock and no idea where to start. Because I've always thought that he did have somewhere to start. He did still have somebody. They knew how to summon Crowley, because, you know, we saw in the last few episodes of the last season, oh, yeah. they could summon Crowley. And we, know, and we also saw that Crowley can come whenever he wants to. He'll get there, but he'll take his own sweet time. So... I'm thinking he could have at least summoned Crowley, and Crowley, you know, wouldn't have been able, Crowley wouldn't have helped him anyways. But there would be something he could do. And so, if I, you know, I'm thinking if we could think of that, 
then I'm sure the writers can think of something, you know, that Sam could have done. But it is possible that that was also his rationale is, yeah, I can summon Crowley, but to what end? What's the point? Right, he's not going to help. So, yeah, it's the big, that's the big subject line in fandom right now. So, yeah, we'll have to see. And, uh, you know, obviously if the show goes on for a few more seasons, we really can't keep Amelia around. Whether she breaks up with him or something happens to her, I hope nothing happens to her because that would really suck. Um, But for whatever reason, and... Go ahead. Um... You know, to see how that's going to affect Sam even further. See another thing for him to deal with that I think he hasn't really contemplated that he should. For story purposes, as much as I love Leanne Balaban, because I do. She oh, adore probably, her. She's the best. She, oh, she's awesome. She's probably one of my favorite guests we've ever had on the podcast. Love, love, love her. But story purposes. I would like for something tragic to happen to her because I think it would make a good story. And I think it would be cool. I mean, it wouldn't make sense, but it would be cool if she died on fire on the ceiling. You know, cause I miss <laughs> You're old, terrible. I miss, those, I miss those days, you know, the good old Azazel yellow-eyed days. I miss those days. And like I said, it wouldn't make sense because, you know, Azazel's dead. But you know, if some de- you know if some bad guy wanted to really torture Sam, you know, but you know they could say, oh well, his mom and his other girlfriend died on fire on the ceiling. Let's do that. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. That would be that would be fun, fun times. <laughs> they could, and they and they, like you said, it wouldn't make sense. But it, it, story wise, you can always make something make sense. Like if you have a demon that can see into, you know, demons know what you're thinking. Therefore, they would know Sam's fear on that and just kind of copycat murdered her. So always, always a way, always a way. <laughs> so, yeah, I, w- I, would, I would hate it because I love Leanne. I'd like for her to be on the show forever. But story-wise, I think it would be really cool. And and that's why, again, like I, I really like Leanne, and I think she's doing a f- fantastic job with the character because – Sometimes you see a character that has to be snarky or witty, and in the same way that Jensen does it, it can be overdone to where it's grating, and she's not. It's very, it's a very maintained level of of biting wit and of strength. And also with the, with the assumed implication that she's an, a drinker. I don't want to say alcoholic, but I'll just say drinker. With the assumed implication that you know she's not stumbling over things, she's not overplaying that, you wouldn't even know if it wasn't for the set dressing. Right. And I just noticed we have a. I just noticed we have a caller. Yay. So um, area code five six one. You're on the air. Hello. What, thank you for calling Winchester Radio. <laughs> it's me, your third host. Oh hey. Hey. What up, Susan? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you not know my phone number, my heart? <laughs> I forgot to go over and check on the studio. <laughs> I just text Susan. <laughs> I don't know me. numbers. 
pops up with a caller ID like on the phone as as me. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, need to change oh, it because it still it still pops up clarity. I need to change it. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I get a new phone, I'll change it. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry about that. Jeez. Yeah, that it's sucks so bad. That's terrible. How's your puppy? She's good. She's um. She's got her little wounded paw, but she's got medication, so she's got some pretty good painkillers, so she's trucking along. That's good. That's good. I guess it's appropriate to ask because I, I listened for a while and you guys were talking about uh, Amelia, and she is a vet, so we can oh, segue yes. See, back. Oh, yeah, it does tie what... in. It does <laughs> tie in. <laughs> for, anyone back in, in yeah, for anyone who's listening and confused, my phone was stolen yesterday. And we had to take my dog to the vet because she had hurt her foot. So that's that. that that's that backstory. That, that would have been really confusing. What were your feelings on the episode this week, Susan? What? What, what did were you your think of the episode? The episode this week? Um, I really liked it. I thought it was terrific. Um, it was Adam, right? Adam Glass. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 and and you know he's been a guest, and I know we love him, but Simon's episodes are a little bit hit or miss, but I think this is a hit, at least for for me. Um, I agree. Yeah, so it's really really terrific. Uh, one of the one of the things about it for me is it was great to see Garth again, and I'm I'm sorry, I'm little backstory, I'm driving. I'm on a, a major highway, so um, if I if I repeat something that you said or or, or suddenly go silent, it's because I'm trying to watch the traffic and not make <laughs> my like memorial podcast. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh God, no! Be, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. But uh, anyway, it was just really great to see uh, Garth again, and when he was first on. Supernatural. I was like, not too thrilled about this. I thought his character was a little over the top in his first episode, but he's gotten better and better as we get more like uh, backstory and details on him. And also, I have to say, it was extra special because I just got to see DJ at the Chicago convention, and he was just delightful, just delightful, so nice, so funny, and and a really great. Uh, convention guests, and um, so it was kind of extra nice to have that perspective also with his character, and I I like that he's taken over sort of, not replacing Bobby, but kind of trying to, like he said, step in, someone had to, and, what, and, it, and it's been a year, and, and you know, Sam was gone, Dean was gone, what else was he going to do, so I thought, um, um, <laughs> I mean, he even had, like, you know, the Camino and the hat. I guess he said, well, I'll just start dressing the part. Because <laughs> went old. But I, I thought he was doing a really good job. But I also still love that he maintains some kind of normalcy. You know, I mean, Sam and Dean, their lives are so intense and so difficult and so tragic. But Garth shows that you can cope pretty well with all this. So I like seeing that, and I like that he's an outsider with a perspective on their situation, and he's very observant because he mm-hmm. knows something is wrong. And no, I agree. With, I agree. Right. 
and like you, I really I like that he's like you said that he show shows that you can have other things in your life. Like I really like when he's talking about when he says Civil War reenactments every year, once a year, every year. That you yeah. can have other interests outside of your hunting, outside of your job. There can mm-hmm. be you can have hobbies, and I I like that he he does that, and I really really like the idea of him being a Bobby type figure. And if we can't have Jim back as Bobby, which breaks my heart, mm-hmm. but storytelling wise makes the most sense that he can't come back on a permanent mm-hmm. basis. I would like to see more of Garth in that role. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I don't need to see him every episode, but I definitely like a sprinkling of him. You know, exactly. In, in, or even an episode where it's they um, call him or something. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like a little bit of scene, just just so he's out there. And, I would uh, like to see him in the capacity that we used to see. Uh, that we used to see Bobby initially, where it was just here and there, and mostly he was just a quick shot of advice, and that was it. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that. I don't want him to be an exact resurrection mm-hmm. of Bobby, because then you get into the whole, well, then why did you kill Bobby off? The same way I felt with Frank Devereaux. really liked mm-hmm. Frank, but if you're going to have Frank, then why even bother killing Bobby off? If it's just, if you're just going to go for you know the emotional reaction, I don't need mm-hmm. it. But um, yeah. yeah, I would like to see just like you said, sprinklings of of Garth would be really nice. Yeah, and I I like um, he's and he's funny, you know. It's like I I love that he hugs the guys. It sounds like I forgot he's a hugger, you know. Oh yes, and I love his ringtones. I love his ringtones. Yes, his his effect his affection for nineties rap music is awesome. Oh, it pleases me greatly. <laughs> yes, it does. It's, it's so different than what we're used to, you know. And it's not emo like Sam, you know, or or classic rock like like Dean. It's like it's his thing, and he's and he's unapologetic for it, which I like even more. <laughs> yeah, well, and I like also because as people we do this, where we all kind of get stuck in a musical era. Uh-huh. And I like that his musical era that he's obviously quite stuck in. Is so different from Dean's that Dean judges it and doesn't get the irony of the fact that he's judging somebody else's. Right, right. Just blatant, like you have not moved on from that era, really. And he's judging it, and I find that hilarious. (laughs) I had I had a theory that I was wanting to run by you guys and see what you think. Mm -hmm. Okay, this whole episode dealt with the specter being attached to the penny. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we know last season Bobby's ghost was attached to the flask. And in this episode, Dean specifically mentions, like, Bobby's flask. And then we have Garth with Bobby's hat. And so I'm wondering, I don't think they would. I really don't think they would. But I'm wondering if because if they're planning on bringing Bobby back for an episode or something, maybe uh-huh. having him do something again. Because like, like a lot of, of people noticed last year when they burned the flask, they didn't burn the case that the flask was in. 
Mm-hmm. And, and they we yeah, didn't they didn't show Bobby actually burn. We just got the reflection of the right. Right. I think it's a nice opening if they want to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a weird thing for me again because I love Jim so much and I love the character of Bobby so much, but I'm so against mm-hmm. the character coming back just on a basic storytelling level. And so I'm very conflicted with things like that. But I do think that if there is going to be a way to do it, that's a good opening for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's probably the same thing with the writers. It's like they hate to shut down all their options, but it's really got to be something special, you know. And and uh, and it doesn't stop a flashback or you know or something along those. Line. Well, it's like when Eve changed into um, Mary Winchester. It was a great opportunity for Smith to come back, but not cheapening uh, the character of Mary. Exactly. So that's I completely I completely understand how people don't want Bobby to come back because it cheapens Death's door and uh-huh. his whole storyline, you know, and everything. It, I totally understand that, but I'm. Almost to the point where I love Jim Beaver so much. It's like I don't care. I just want him on the show. I don't care right. if it's it. I don't care how they bring him back. I just want him on the show. Yeah. And that's where, like I said, it's a con- it conflicts me because I have to separate how I personally feel about Jim and mm-hmm. about Bobby from what I want out of storytelling and a, out of a well told, out of a well done show, and. Death's door just means so much to me mm-hmm. that I just I was already so upset about him coming back as a ghost. I can't. I don't want them to take any anything else from me about about it. I just. I mean, I'll forgive it, of course, because I forgive everything, but I won't be pleased. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I totally understand that, and I can completely completely get it. It's like. I don't care. I just want him back. Totally <laughs> <laughs> oh, get it. Oh, and I have to say, I love, love, love the whole montage with the penny and Soundgarden. Oh, that and was awesome. That was so good. And, you know, the Soundgarden song was used in Simon Said, which mm-hmm. I have a great episode from season two. So I love hearing it come, hearing it again. Well, and lyrically, uh, yeah. it's a very appropriate song for the show. <laughs> so, right, uh, right. And you know, we talk about getting stuck in your own era. That's the era of music I'm stuck in. So I'm always happy with that. <laughs> and it's one of the few non-classic rock songs that have ever been on the show. Yeah, and we have that. We have um, we have Hey Man, Nice Shot. We have Muse in season two, but those are both you know, so far back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I love I love that whole Penny montage because I was beginning mm-hmm. to think, okay, surely to goodness it's not a haunted inhaler. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered about that. I was like. That's- well, I did the same thing because I was like, okay, he takes the shot from his inhaler, and I was like, okay, inhalers have steroids, but it's not that kind of steroid, guys. Calm, you know, that doesn't work out. So, yeah, I was, and I like, but I really liked the way it floated on, and I liked the way they justified how it didn't affect 
the kid or the cashier, like, mm-hmm. that they don't have. And I really, really like the fact that it didn't affect Garth. I loved that. Because especially really Garth, did. yeah, especially Garth where you kind of have to theorize that Garth's been treated more the way Bean treats him than treated nicely. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, right. physically the way he looks and then being a hunter. I'm sure a lot of other hunters that encounter him are going, yeah, right, until they mm-hmm. get to know him. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like that it was almost like an internal commentary on bullying. Where Dean, yeah. let's be honest, Dean bullies Garth. And yeah, bull- where Garth just, you know. In this episode. Yeah, where Garth just goes, no, I'm going to rise above that. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna sit there and let it eat at me. And I really like that because even Sam doesn't treat Garth well. Mm-hmm. Where you're so used to Sam being the one that treats everybody well, and even Sam's, you know, rude. I, I would. I would. I wish I was more Garth-like. <laughs> you didn't let things get to you. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I like that he went to college, went to dental school. I really like that, too. I yeah. like that. And I like that he was, like, went to college, and then he went on to, you know, not just, like, dental assistant or anything. Like, he was a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah, I like that. Well, I'm so bad for him that he had to kill the tooth fairy. But, um, oh, no. <laughs> that's a bummer. That's such a bummer. <laughs> Speaking of that scene, though, as far as directing goes, I really, really like um, the moment where Garth asked Dean how he got out of purgatory. And if you watch, and um, Becky and I were talking about this last week, when the acting that someone does when they're not the one with lines. Mm-hmm. So if you watch Jared playing Sam and he's giving him this look of, yeah. Go ahead, tell Garth about your vampire best friend. Mm-hmm. Do it. Uh-huh. And it was <laughs> yep. so well done. It was so subtle and so well done. And it's and you just see Dean like, <laughs> really well-directed moment. Really well-directed moment. I really liked it. Um, um, and I like I like their food choices, too. <laughs> speaking of, of purgatory, um, have you guys talked about yet when when Steve is under the effects of the penny, and he and Sam have the whole oh, did. clash. Did you already talk about that? We did to touch on it a bit, but feel free to add to it. Oh, I boy, um, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be on the road long enough. You know, it's. I thought it was a great scene, and I know Dean was under the influence of the penny, but obviously it wasn't made-up stuff. That's how he feels. This is stuff he's been wanting to say and felt for a long time, not just about purgatory. And I just, and I'm glad he said it. It's interesting that Sam was basically unapologetic <laughs> about everything. Yeah, oh. and we we did touch on that a little bit, but yeah, I agree with you, and that's that. When that's what we were kind of debating back and forth about. So, I like that you have that perspective about 
whether it was the possession that was making Dean say it or how much of it was really how he feels. I think it's really how he feels. I, that just I gave agree. him the ability to say it. Yep. And I think it was just, it's like they all felt the truth, anybody who was under that effect, but it was obviously magnified and and grouped together, so it was a very intense, like almost like explosion instead of like a slow burn. It was like, oof. And well, more like boom than poof, really. But um, I, I just, you know, I again, I really hope there's more out there to what happened to Sam. Um, and we started to get a tiny bit of that when he has the conversation with Amelia, and he says, you know, I felt like my world had imploded. But he hasn't really talked to. Dean about anything like that yet, so Dean doesn't know that yet. We do, and I really hope there's even more to it than that because I'm, I was kind of like with Dean on this one. I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of angry, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at, at, at Sam, you know, and saying, you know what, just God, let's live with it. You know, I'm going to do it. Wow, like I kind of get it because you know Dean has probably been sticking it to Sam bit by bit, <laughs> you know, since he got back. And I can understand just not wanting, you know, it's like, like, leave me alone, you know, kind of. I'm still here. And all those things that Dean said he did, yes, he did them, but he had very good intentions about both of those. Yes, he drank demon blood, but he, he thought he was saving the world, you know, while he was doing it. He had good reasons. They were bad things, but they were done for <laughs> what Sam felt was the right reason. And so they're, you know, but it's still still a mess, and I, I kind of feel like at this point, too, if Sam says, I'm going, he, he might say, you know what, go ahead and go, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not as alone as I thought I might be of this, you know, I've got Garth on my team, I've got Benny on my team, uh, there's Cass coming you know, to be on his team, and he's like, you know what, I'm not alone as I thought, and I, it's, again, it's too bad Captain's in there to do the part where he let him down, too. So, we'll see. Actually, Captain's man were kind of at the same boat doing bad stuff and trying to make up for it and he not being so reasonable about it. <laughs> yeah. Dean seems to be surrounded by people who are the very definition of the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just a magnet for that. Yeah. And um, because this Benny thing, it just it, it it just can't end well. No, nothing for Dean ends well. And I love that. I love the line that he has where he says, um, "He just can't stop wondering if uh, about if decapitations yeah. are something that he should look into." I can't remember the line exactly, but that line. Yeah, his kind of thing or something. Yeah, it's such a glib line, but if you really think about it, it's so heartbreaking. Yeah, I think he says something like, when are, when are decapitation? It's not my thing. You know, it's like, yeah. like, yeah, it's like, oh, it's like, yeah, I can do this. Like, you know, that will be the positive out of this for me. <laughs> you know? So. You know, and Benny and I mentioned earlier that, you know, if Sam would just validate Dean's feelings, and let him know, you know, I understand, you know, and yeah. kind of, you know, let him, you know, tell him, you know, that I'm, you know, I understand and I'm sorry for, 
you know, for what I did and how it hurt you. I think it would mm-hmm. help Dean a lot. Yeah, I think so. But I think, again, Sam knows more than we know. He, he ain't telling yet. So he knows in his I, head why and what happened while Dean was gone and what he was doing. And we talked a little bit before about why maybe he's not ready to talk about it or he's working with someone who won't let him tell. So he knows that this is not, not what he feels. You know, I, it's not I agree. only a little bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I really think there's a a lot going that went on in Sam's past that we haven't found out about, and I think that he did look more than what what he's letting on. And I really really hope that that scene from when they went to um, rescue Kevin Tran's mom at her house and he did the exorcism backwards. Uh-huh. I'm really really hoping that that is cluing us in on the things that he did and learned. The year that he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. I really don't think, and maybe I'm basing this a lot on interviews that Jared gave during hiatus, but I really don't think that. I really think Sam really walked away. Mm-hmm. I really 100% think he just went no. Well, and I do think I do think that part of that was probably in his head, his rationale for Amelia's safety. Um, it, you know, it was a whole year. He could have walked away for part of it. It's like it's like The Godfather. You know, I thought I was out, but they pulled me back in. You know, it could. Right. It but we do be. have we do have a general time frame on how long he didn't answer his phone. Because of Kevin. Yep. And it was closer to a full year than, you know, not. Yeah. Oh, that's two more members for Dean's team, you know, Kevin and Mama Tran. And they're pretty formidable, (laughs) you know. And that's another thing, you know, Sam says, you know, I was all alone, you know, all alone um, and, and didn't know who to turn to or whatever. Well, you know, Kevin was all alone, too. You know, and instead of totally freaking out and falling apart or walk or trying to walk away or whatever, he, he did. You know, he, he, he sucked it up and he used his brain and he, and he got himself out of that. So, you know, it's a wonder he's not too thrilled with Sam at the moment. That's why I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I just don't want to face the fact that maybe Sam was that week or that set up or, or or I don't know. I guess you know everybody hits the wall at some point. And maybe that was Sam's wall. Well I was and I we had talked about it before you, you jumped on, but uh, I don't think as much as I don't like that Sam didn't look for Dean and that he left and all this, I can't condemn him for it because like I say People grieve in so many different ways, and I can ne- you can never sit there and say, well, you're grieving incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's seen what happens when he grieves the wrong way. He ends yeah. up with Ruby. <laughs> so, or just, you know, know when we're probably when we, afraid of that, too. Yeah, we get, when we get the parallel life or the, um, the alternate universe in Mystery Spot, 
when Dean finally dies for good and he just goes full on like robotic bonkers. Yep. Like that's not healthy either. Nope. And his and what he's doing is trying to bring Dean back. And it's completely unhealthy. Yeah. So again he's 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 learned. Which is great. Yeah. He's, he's seen the wrong way to be and he was probably pretty afraid of making a similar choice. Not the same one, but maybe something similar where again the road, you know, the road tell is paved with good intentions. He might be trying to do something with good intentions and have it blow up in his face. So, and it, and it does kind of show that for Sam's track record, that we, you know, things we've learned for years now is no matter what choice Sam makes, no matter what path Sam takes, inevitably it's going to bite him in the ass. Yep. So whether he goes full-on vengeance mode or whether he just decides to move on, it's going to bite him in the ass. Yep. Uh, and, again, I give him points. Like he says, you know, I, I told you, Dean, I told you what I did and who I was with, and, and he didn't keep a secret. He's got, he remembers that's a bad idea mm-hmm. to keep secrets. So I don't blame him for sticking it back to Dean about not telling about Benny. Oh, so, yeah. But that part, I guess, for sure. Um, um, going back to um, Garth in this episode, I like how, you know, you're talking about how he can have both have a life and be a hunter. Mm-hmm. I like how we saw, you know, when we first met Garth, he's kind of on the inept side. Mm-hmm. And like like even before DJ Qualls played the part of Garth, we saw a scene with in a in a previous episode where Bobby's answering one of his many phones and assistant and he's talking to Garth and he tells Garth he needs to call real FBI and Garth calls him mm-hmm. back and he's no, not me, the FBI, the real FBI. So, you know, we've we've seen that Garth wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. one of the best in the past. And I like how they've showed how in this year without Bobby, without Sam, without Keith, how he's really stepped up and he's like the mm-hmm. go-to guy. And I, yeah. just, I really like seeing that character grow in such a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And And he did a really good job with his evolution in just a few episodes where it's not like Mm -hmm. now he's super Garth. No. Yep. They did it really well. Yeah, and like you said, he seems to fight to be, you know, like bullied or picked on. But over the last year, stepping in for Bobby, he's obviously proved himself to a lot of other hunters. And that's not going to happen with anybody who knows him. Now, mm-hmm. and he can also get references from those hunters who now say, "Hey, he's someone you can rely on for information and what to do and and everything else." And I like how he has um, Bobby's bank of phones from his kitchen. He just basically carries them in his coat pocket. All the different yeah. phones. I I really like that. It's like the modern day version of Bobby's bank of phones. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that is pretty cool. 
And I like how she gave the back Bobby pass to him. Like, sort of like a grudging, okay, you're okay. This is better than I thought, maybe. So, okay, you can keep the hat for now. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? yeah. <laughs> oh, when he got I, mad at him for the hat, again, I was very angry oh. with Dean for that. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. And I like Garth stand in his ground and say, hey, you know, he didn't belong to you. Yes, I know you were close, but he said, you aren't the only one missing him. You know? And, right. So I, I like that he stood his ground. I have to say the only thing I was disappointed with in the episode, and it's not even really something that you to be disappointed in, really, is the lack of the Civil War ghost. When I first saw the promo pics for the episode and I saw mm-hmm. that there was a Civil War ghost, I was like, oh, yes. And especially that there was a supernatural novel mm-hmm. that dealt with, you know, a haunted Civil War battlefield and everything. I was like, this could be really interesting. I was very disappointed that we didn't really get to see much of the haunted Civil yeah. War guy. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, th- I think they did really just, I think whether it was Adam's choice or a storyboard choice or whatever, that the whole point was supposed to be the the brother thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And Which I thought that was a nice tie-in with the border state and the brothers on opposite sides of the of uh, the Civil War. I thought that was that was pretty smart. I liked it. Mm-hmm. I have to say though, I thought it was a big mistake having Sam not know. That brothers fought on opposite sides of the war. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Sam acted <laughs> like he'd never done that before. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> well, he's been out of school for a really long time, and he's had his other stuff on his mind. <laughs> Plus, you know, he's been very busy with a girl for the past year. That's true. <laughs> Uh, oh. Not that not that Dean and I are bitter or anything. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I thought it was kind of funny that you know they showed the scene where Sam and Amelia have obviously had a really fun evening, shall we say? <laughs> and you know they're sort of a scattering of clothes and whatever. But when you see them in bed together, like they got dressed together. <laughs> There is no way I would allow Sam Winchester to put his shirt back on. (laughs) I would burn the damn thing first. I would burn the damn thing first. I would, if I was Amelia, I would drench it in all my alcohol and set it on fire. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. I was like, really? You're going to put your clothes back on? Okay. And yeah. I don't know if they forgot to put the anti-possession tattoo on, or didn't have the stuff. To I do I that think day, that's or... why they do. I think they that's why they do it is because it's a pain with the tattoo. Because we also have the the scene with Ruby and Sam's wearing the T-shirt mm-hmm. also, and I think part of it is a, a makeup choice. So it's a it's a pain to do the tattoo if they don't have to. Yeah. And especially because they've already done the tattoo this year, and we already have Jared's picture that he tweeted where obviously we're going to see the tattoo again. Yep. 
Speaking of the tattoo, okay, so was Dean being affected by the specter? Was he actually possessed? And if so, does that mean the, t- the tattoo only wards off demon possession, not ghost possession? I always assumed it was just demon. Because for... I always assumed that the tattoo was demon. Yeah. Okay. You would but that's just an, that's just an estimation I made. If you're going to get a tattoo to ward off possession, you know, me personally, I would get one that would ward off all kinds of possession, not just one. <laughs> so maybe there isn't a way to ward off ghosts. You know, I don't know. Maybe you and need a different a, one. As far as what, as far as the supernatural world that we deal with watching the show, ghost possession is is rare in comparison to anything else. Right, right. So I'm thinking it's just, you know, not something that anybody really worries about too much. I don't know. Um, mostly 10 on Twitter. One, um, She said, um, no empathy for Dean's grieving process. Why be angry with Dean for the way he deals with grief over Bobby? I don't think any of us are angry with Dean over the way he deals with grief over Bobby. We're angry that he, uh, uh, we're, it, we're upset that he doesn't, that he wasn't letting Garth go through the grieving process, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not at all. I'm not at all upset or mad with how Dean grieves. It's his selfishness as far as other people's grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that That's why I, I like found, how Garth stood his ground. Yeah, that I found that problematic. But as far as the way Dean grieves, grieves, like I said, I will never ever tell anybody they're grieving wrong. Um, unless you, you're grieving in a harmful fashion. Yes. Um, I just think, you know, the assumption being made that him and Sam are the only ones that have, not not only miss Bobby, but, you know, the implication that they're the only ones that have the right to miss Bobby when, you know, it's so easily, so easy that Dean forgets that the only reason he knows Garth is because of Bobby. Yeah. But, you know, that's very keen. He's got to just figure out his own way. He's, he's getting there. He's grudging, but he's, oh, yeah. he's getting there. Um, you guys, Christy, I enjoy checking in from the road, but I'm at a point where I really need to drive. <laughs> okay, well, be safe. <laughs> Thank you. Be safe. Be careful. We'll talk okay, to you next week. I will. Good to talk to you guys about the app, at least for a little while. And, uh... <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Um, Christy Michael 11 on Twitter wants to know if we even watch Supernatural. So apparently she doesn't agree with everything, anything we're saying. And she says, Amy, not April, was not a demon. I don't know the April that she's talking about. I don't remember us mentioning an April. And, and yeah, April well, Amy... I, I don't know. I don't remember us mentioning in April. And Amy was not a demon. Yeah, I don't think we said she was a demon. No. She was a monster. She was a monster. I don't remember saying she was a demon. And Sam and Garth being very different. Uh, they are very different, but I think they're also alike in a lot of ways. And I, I, I would, I hope she tweets us and lets us know more of what she's talking about because yeah, I'm a victim. Let us know what you're. Let us know what you mean, because I know Twitter isn't the easiest way to 
get your um, your thoughts across and your your point across. So if you maybe can, give us a call. If you could call us, Christy yeah, Michael Eleven. Our number is three four seven two zero five nine eight zero one. We'd love to figure out what you're talking about. Maybe we can, you know, get back on the same wavelength here with you. And yeah, we've been watching since the first episode. Uh, you know, so we do watch the show. <laughs> and the only, because the only April I can think of, uh, there was an April character in season six. Because honestly, the only April I can think of was on Buffy. And <laughs> the only reason I remember the girl who played the only reason I remember the girl who played April was because she was also she's one of those that she played two roles in Supernatural. She was in my she was a nurse in my time of dying, and then they oh, okay. they brought the actress back to do a different role. But that's the only reason I really remember her. So if okay. you could let us know what you mean, that'd be awesome. And let's see here. Um, dude, Dean grieves exactly like we've seen him in the past, um, is what she says. So, oh, I agree. Dean's always him. been very selfish about the way he grieves. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Completely with you there, Christy Michael. But, yeah, give us a call if you'd like and we talk about it. And, let's see, um... Leah Carmichael wanted to know, what did we think of Garth's comeback? I don't know if she meant like a line he had or the fact that he came back. Um, I'm, the fact that he came, I liked the way he came back, and I liked all of his lines, so I approve of everything. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like Garth. <laughs> and let's see. Don't see any other questions on Twitter right now. She, the Christy Michael doesn't like us. I don't know. She says bad radio, so. Uh, I, I think, I, and I know, um, <laughs> also, Mostly 10, uh, now is asking no empathy for Dean's grieving process. I did say I didn't have empathy for the brothers, but it wasn't over their grieving process. It was that the character I felt the most empathy for at the end of this episode was Garth, not Sam and Dean. But it had nothing to do with that. Had nothing to do with their, with anybody's grieving processes. That was just on uh, situational levels for what the characters are going through right now. So yeah. But um, also in saying that, I I like characters that are very flawed and complex, and characters that piss me off, and characters that make me angry. I like characters with layers, and if Sam and Dean never gave me, you know, visceral emotional responses, then I wouldn't love them as much as I do. And the fact that sometimes I love them, sometimes I'm angry with them, sometimes I'm sad for them, showcases how well the writers are doing with with continuing to write them in that way that still gives you an emotional reaction because my emotional reaction for me personally doesn't always have to be positive for it to be worth it for me. Exactly. I feel the feelings that that I get with Sam and Dean and the characters on the show are the same. They, they're like family. Exactly. You know, I get this. I'm not always happy with my husband, with my brothers, with my kids, but that doesn't mean I don't love them. 
<laughs> you know, I still love them very, very much. And it's the same thing with Sam Dean and whoever you want to talk about on the show because um, we are so attached to the show and we love the show so much that it gives it make it that's the kind of feeling that it gives to us. Oh, okay. Mostly Ten is saying um, she takes issue with me referring to Dean as a douche or a dick, that it diminishes his depth of character. I don't mean Dean is a douche and is a dick. I mean the way he spoke to Garth was in a douchey manner. It was a dick move to say that. But again, everybody in life does that. A real human being says things that they shouldn't say. They say hurtful things. So... Again, I'll reiterate that the fact that Dean does that and gets that response out of me is a testament to how well the character is written and how well Jensen acts when being Dean. Because if I didn't have that reaction, because I think that you were you were meant to, and I you know I would love to ask Adam Glasses, I don't think you were supposed to find the way he's treating Garth. I don't think you were supposed to be okay with it. You. Were, I felt that the way Jensen played it and the way the lines were written and the way DJ Qualls reacted to the lines, I think you were supposed to have that reaction of, wow, Dean Harsh. Yeah, exactly. I think so, too. And I think that's supposed to show the depth of Dean's feelings. Dean was so harsh to, to Garth because, because it hurt him. so much. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He's hurting. He's hurting. He misses Bobby. He doesn't want somebody to take Bobby's place. There's only one Bobby, and he doesn't want him to be replaced. That's why he was upset with Garth. And so it wasn't anything bad against Dean. It wasn't anything bad against Garth. It wasn't anything bad against Bobby. Uh, it was That was Dean's grief. He doesn't want anybody to replace Bobby. Therefore, he was upset with Garth because he felt he was replacing Bobby. I also think that there's part of it that might be that if Garth becomes the new Bobby, then that's just another person that Dean might lose. And we know Ooh, from previous point. episodes that Dean does like Garth. Garth kind of gets on his nerves a little. He's a bit much for Dean. But at the end of it, Dean, he digs Garth, and he cares about Garth's well-being. Right. When he doesn't have to deal with Garth too much, then Garth's very peripheral. But if Garth becomes an ingrained part of the hunting world, an ingrained part of Dean and Sam, then that's another person for them to lose. Right. And and as we saw, you know, at the end of the episode, you know, he let Garth hug him, he gave him the cat back, he smiled. I mean, that right there shows you how much Dean cares about acceptance. Right, exactly. Because so I he's think never gonna outright apologize because you know it's just not the way he does it. But you know when he tells Garth when they're sitting there researching, and he you know Garth tells him you're not the only one who lost Bobby. He doesn't directly tell him like you know what you're right. I'm sorry, but he does tell him you know keep looking through Bobby's book, and I think that's a really subtle indicator of what he's saying. He's saying, go ahead and keep doing what you're doing with Bobby's stuff. Which uh, one, And then later on he gives him the cap. I did think it was neat that we got to see Bobby's journal. I think that's the mm-hmm. first time we've ever seen Bobby's journal. 
So I thought that was really cool. And I do like to, uh, um, did notice, and a few of the people on Twitter have noticed it too, about how Dean's um, connection with the Spectre was so much like Asylum with um, Sam and Dr. Ellicott. It was yeah. very much the same. And, in, you know, it, it just got switched around. Finally, it was Dean with the gun on Sam, whereas in season one, it was Sam with the gun on Dean. So it was just basically a flip-flop of that. And I like that because it was really eerie to have the dichotomy of Dean talking about how betrayed he feels, but he's the one holding a gun to Sam Sam's head, basically. And it was that was really creepy to me. And, and in season one's Asylum, it was Sam telling Dean, you know, you know, why do you follow Dad? Why do you always do what he says? Why don't you know? Yeah, do you ever do really thing on your feel. own? Right, and it, both of them, it's basically their way of letting out their feelings and not really having to blame them for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I like at the end where Dean says, in this episode where Dean says, you know, he doesn't even really remember, and whether he does or doesn't is, you know, neither here nor there, but the fact that Sam tells him, you know, shut up, basically, Right, right. And I, I like that, that it's not about whether you remember or not, it's not whether, about whether you were possessed or not, that Sam recognizes that these are clearly thoughts that Dean has had, whether it's to that degree or not, is something else. Which goes back again to the episode Sex and Violence, you know, where where they were both affected by the siren and they were saying things that they really, you know, that they were actually thinking but would never say, and then at the end of the episode when they're standing with Bobby and drinking the pop by the bridge and they're, you know, they both are acting like, you know, either they don't remember it or they didn't mean it. And, you know, they like to, you know, be in denial about those sort of things. Mm-hmm. Which you, I have to say is something that must be liberating to some degree to be as... Honest and hurtful as you want to be, and then turn around and go, yeah, it wasn't me, though. Right, right. And, you know, the other person really can't get that mad at you because you were possessed. What the hell? Mm -hmm. Which I always thought was really interesting, like back in Born Under a Bad Sign, where Meg possesses Sam, and so it's Meg that, that beats up Dean, but as soon as Meg is exercised from Sam, Dean just cold clocks Sam. Right, right, yeah. And you got to stop and think, like, dude. <laughs> but it's because he just has a reaction of, I know it was Meg in you, but it was your fist with your face. You hit me. Yep, yep. One of my favorite moments. I love that moment. Yeah. Um, Shelby Morris wanted to know if we like that Garth might be the new Bobby. I think I think it would be really cool, and like we we kind of mentioned earlier, if he was like Bobby was in the first you know few seasons, where like you mentioned, Bobby would pop in and help, and then pop back out, and I think that would be really cool if they were able to do that with Garth. But the problem is, I don't know if that'll be possible because DJ Qualls, you know, got a new TV show. He got cast on a new show on FX, so. Yeah, it would I have to depend on 
what the writers want to do with it versus his shooting schedule and availability. I would like to see him as, like I said, kind of a tech support version of Bobby. I would really like that. Right. I think that would be really cool. And, um, oh, I wanted to mention this cause just because I happen to be watching this scene at the moment. Um, my son Alex was in, in here earlier when I was um, watching the scene, too. And when we see that the boys, that they stole the penny on the necklace off of the dead body in the tomb, yet they take it off of the necklace and then they just use it as a regular penny. And Alex, who's my kid, he's only 18, He's like, why would you do that? You know, why would you? Not I thought keep that it was really the... strange too. I, why would Alex. you not keep it as a necklace? You know, why would well, you steal it? Well, not only that, you, you can see that it's it's an antique penny. Go see if it's worth something. It's right, obviously right. And, worth more than a penny. Go make some real money. And, you know, keep it as a necklace. It was a cool necklace. You know, why would you take it off of the piece of leather or what string or whatever it was on? Well, and I don't know, you know, age group of who listens to us varies, but um, I'm 30. So back when I was uh, in high school, middle school and high school, I don't know if you guys remember, but the big thing was the pennies with the shapes punched out of them. And I used to collect those, so I had one with like a clover punched out, a heart, a star, a moon, and I wore them as necklaces. So that's what that reminded me of. And so, uh-huh. yeah, like like Alex said, I would have been, I would have worn it. I would have put it on as a, cha- a charm or something, or I would have at least held it around as a trinket for a while. My other kind of mm, about it was, is that I've never given a cashier a coin that was not of current circulation that they didn't hand back to me and go, no. Right, right, <laughs> so right. I thought that was kind of strange, too. Like, after our trip to uh, Vancouver last weekend, I was at the store the other day, and I accidentally gave the cashier here in the United States a Canadian quarter. They wouldn't even take it the Canadian quarter, you know, so I don't think they would have taken a penny that was, you know, 100-something years old, so... <laughs> Yeah, I not this last trip, but the last trip we went on, I had a Canadian penny handed back to me because I didn't realize that it was mixed in with my other pennies. And they were like, yeah, no. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and it's a penny. So, yeah. That that's that that threw me off a bit too, but um I give a lot of leeway for television. Right, right. I did like and this kind of goes to the what we were talking about um, with regard to um, how much of it was what Dean already felt. But I like that when Carl is possessed by the specter, when he sniffs Dean and says the specter likes you, and he's and it's a purposeful trans uh, transference of the penny. Mm-hmm. It's not he didn't right. come across the penny. The specter has Carl put the penny in Dean's hand. He wanted yes. Dean, so he could sense that. How, not just on a regular, like, ooh, shiny kind of way, but, no, I want that one kind of way. Right, right. And I found that very interesting. And you can tell from that that the Spectre would never have chosen Garth. No. So I thought and that I also, cool. we talked about that, um, you know, 
the fact that it didn't affect Garth, but I also liked that Garth knew it wouldn't affect him. Yeah, yeah. I love Garth. Um, the other thing I like, and I don't know if this is just, it just happened to look this way or if it was a directing choice or a choice that Jensen made, but when they walk into the motel room and Dean is sitting there, I think it's interesting how militant Dean looks. He's sitting ramrod straight. He cocks his gun military style. Very, very militant. And considering he's possessed by a soldier, I like that little touch. Ooh, I bet that was Jensen. Yeah. It does seem like something Jensen would notice and want to do because he's very detail-oriented with things like that. And, you know, being that he directs as well, He's really plugged into those kind of things. Yeah, he's plugged into those kind of things. Yeah, he's pretty amazing. And like you said, he, you know, he connects with the details. And like we were talking the other day about I love how he acts in the background, even when the scene isn't on him. Oh, in Provenance? Yes. Love, love, love Jensen. He's an amazing actor. And I think that's what I really like. Like, you know, we were discussing Sam has a very similar moment in this episode. And I don't know if I would have noticed as much if we hadn't been discussing when Jensen, uh, mm-hmm. that moment right. in Providence. Right. Because I was a little kind of hyper aware of it. But, um, yeah, I love that they both do it, and they're both, they're both so good at it. But Jensen just, he's really got those details down when it comes to just the little ticks that make, that, that change Dean from the Dean we know to any other facet of Dean. Which is something yeah. Jared is really it, good at as well. My favorite, I think, you know, like background Dean moment is in Shadow when after um, John is left at the end and they're all beat to hell and um, Dean has gotten into the Impala and Sam's walking around. The camera's mainly on Sam as he's walking around to get into the Impala. But you see Dean in there, yep. you know, with, in pain. And, you know, and I just I just love that. That Dean is acting Jensen is acting and being Dean and in the moment, even though he's not the focus of that scene. I love that. Yeah. I, when you mentioned that the other day, too, I was like, yeah. But And I I really enjoy those little things that both both boys do in making sure that we can easily see how much thought they they put into playing these characters. Mhm. Yep. That even when it's not about them, they're making sure that they're they're there for the camera and they're there for their their they're there for their coworkers. They're there for the other actor playing around them or against them or you know, whatever it may be for that moment. I can think from when Kim Rose was on our podcast last year, one of our favorite stories oh, was... Oh, yes. You know, they, the guys were all, you know, playing football, riding their little motorbikes around and everything, and she was, like, getting ready to have to do the scene with the funeral pyre and her family being dead. And it was her very first scene that she's filming, and she was like, oh, these guys, you know, they're just playing around here. I am supposed to get into this. And as soon as it was time to film the scene, they just come to her and says, okay, what do you need? What do you want? We're here for you. Mm-hmm. Love that. Love that. Um, before 
our podcast ends, I want to mention two things. One, we have the um, Hurricane Sandy Relief Fundraiser going on for American National Red Cross. You can get the link from our website, and we've been tweeting it, and it's on Facebook. Um, so far, we're, we're 75% to go, um, $3,745 raised by Supernatural fans to help with Hurricane Sandy Relief. So that's awesome. We'd also and like to then, say, not only do we want to thank everybody who's already donated, but especially um, the cast and crew that have donated to it. So kind of showing yes. that we are all, we really are all one big family. So we appreciate everyone. Every, awesome. Awesome, awesome. And then we want, uh, we have one big announcement we, we want to make. We're going to have a very special edition of Winchester Radio on this Friday, November 16th? 17th. Um, oh, no, 16th, you're right. 16th, yep, November 16th. It's going to be a very special edition at a, at a special time. It will be on at 5.30 Eastern Time, 2.30 Pacific Time. We're going to have a very special guest, Misha Collins. Yes, Castiel, Misha Collins will be on our podcast for um, on, the, on Friday, November 16th. It's going to be a short one. But he's going to be on. We're going to interview him for a little bit, and then he's going to answer call-in questions. So you want to make sure you tune in Friday on November 16th, and you can listen to our podcast with Misha and maybe call in and ask him a question. We'll be tweeting the links and everything pretty soon, so keep watching for that. So what else, Vinny? Do we have anything else? Do we need to mention? Nope, that's it. Okay, well, again, thought it was a great episode. Probably my very favorite episode Adam Glass has ever written. Uh, I thought everybody did a bang-up job. Jensen, Jared, DJ, just everybody rocked it out of the park. All the crew, amazing job. And I'm looking forward to this week when we'll have a little slice of Kevin, I think is the name of it. So it looks like it's going to be a great episode. Finally find out how what happened to Castiel, how he got out of purgatory, and then we'll be able to talk to Misha about it on Friday. Yep. So I guess we'll get off here. Yep, that's so all for us tonight. So watch Fringe. <laughs> and thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, who tweeted us questions. And it was really great discussions tonight. And I had a really great time. And we'll talk to you all later. night, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.